We are live. Should we welcome them? Welcome to the Good Time Podcast. Welcome to the Good Time Podcast. God bless you all. And thank you all for you all who've been tuning in and, and, and watching us and leaving comments. God bless you all. Thank you all so much. So, today, we're talking women in ministry. Mm. Women in Bible. Patriarchy. <laughs> Feminists. Womanism. Womanist. Um, all of the things, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you were recently on a panel. What was the topic of the panel? Why not a woman? Point of Grace Church in Elyria, Ohio, past prophetess Vanessa Young and uh, Pastor Daryl Young. I believe it was there. Yeah. Great, great workshop, great people great time and they wrestled with some pretty pretty cool questions okay I have to say that when I saw the flyer I felt a, <laughs> a way because it was only men on the flyer so I'm like how are we going to have a conversation about why not women and then not put a woman on the flyer what is happening because it's going to be whatever we say <laughs> <laughs> right no honestly uh, Prophetess uh, Vanessa was on the panel. Okay. She was on the panel with us. Uh, and she, she was sort of, what is it, a moderator? Yeah. She was both moderator and served on the panel with us. Okay. And then she had pastors sprinkled throughout the room who were definitely vocal. Okay. So it was it was good. She was she was on the panel with us. Okay. That's I think she was just being humble, not putting her picture up. And stuff. She should have put her picture on. <laughs> Put your picture on there. Okay, so what, we, so what was y'all talking about? It well, the, the format was really interesting, and Prophetess Vanessa's, she's gifted in putting together uh, programs and events. I've never seen her miss. I've been to like three or four of her programs, and they've all been packed out, well attended, oh, and, and, and powerful. For this one, she just wanted a panel of people she uh, trusted um, to give from their heart what they believed about women in ministry, which was interesting because I don't think she checked. She didn't vet us to see if we believed women should be in ministry, which was very bold. So it was, you know, it it was very real. It was very uh, in the moment. Uh, She picked us and what she did was had questions some of seven questions were questions she had got from her colleagues that she wanted to ask. And then the other questions came from the floor. For me, the most interesting question of the day was should we, how should we deal with the terms submissive or being submiss- submitted to and obedience or obey for women in ministry? Should we not use that because it's been taken out of, you know, the marriage books and all of that? Uh, it's kind of a, in terms of culture, it's passe. Mm-hmm. Or, or do we hold on to it? And for me, that was the most in, in, interesting of the questions um, that came that came forth. So what say you? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I said... <laughs> I said, whether we do away with the word or not, God still wants it, right? So now we're playing semantics. So you can 
say submit to the will of God, or you can say cooperate. But God really wants you to submit. So if we play with the semantics, it'll move us further away from what God wants. And so then it got really interesting because they doubled down on the question and asked me, so do you believe that the word submit should be used in marriage relationships? Would you like to know what I said? <laughs> so I, here's what I said. I told them, when, when you read the Ephesians chapter, which they were alluding to Ephesians chapter 5, all of that starts out saying, submitting yourselves one to another. That's where the conversation starts. Yeah. We kind of chop that off, yeah. and then we just jump right down to wives. Submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And what I had to explain to them that day was, you're going to submit to whoever you marry. It's, it's, it's like a universal law. So that's why you need to be careful who you marry, because the dynamic of relationship causes you to submit to who or whatever they are. You don't have to stay submitted, but if you marry somebody who doesn't watch their spending, mm. you won't feel it. Yeah. If you marry somebody who's a procrastinator, you will feel it. If you marry somebody who's addicted to something, you're going to submit to that which they're doing, at least for a season. So it's inevitable in interpersonal relationships, which is a bad um demonstration or analogy to use for submitting to God because if you submit to God you're never rolling the dice right mm. you're, you're, you're dealing with if our, if our faith if our theology is correct we're dealing with a perfect God we're dealing with a God that doesn't make mistakes we're dealing with a God that never fails so submission to God is not the same as submission to to a spouse, that's why it doesn't say when it references God, submitting yourselves one to another. The submission is one-sided. It's just to God, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, but I, I don't think, like you got to be a real, real, real mature Christian to understand that you're not rolling the dice with, with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oftentimes he does things that we don't understand that or like or, or like and or agree with, you know, yeah. and yeah. I remember some time ago we had a conversation. I think we saw a Bible study on it about forgiving God. I just said that about three or four weeks ago. Yeah. 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 Where when we don't know, we could be we could hold some things. Hold a grudge against God. Yeah. It's sure. people who will be watching this that's angry with God. Yeah. And they're holding a grudge. And you got to be able to forgive God for not doing what you wanted him to do. Yeah. Right. So, and here's the scripture for that if people want a scripture. Because I believe when you say stuff like that, you got to have scripture. The classic textbook text for that is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mm. Had you been here, yeah. our brother wouldn't have died. Right? Um, now, Martha is more in tune to forgiveness. Mary won't even come out the house. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's that tension yeah. of God not doing what we thought sure he would do. Sure. Yeah. Naming the, the leper when he wants to be healed. 
What did he say about the problem? I thought, sure. You would come out the house. <laughs> right, so you right, just going right. to sit up in the house? And you could just send stuff out to me like I ain't nobody? What? Right? Yeah. yeah. So so you can develop issue, God, and we have to. If it's, And this is, people think I'm crazy when I say that, but if God is an interpersonal relationship with us, and he is, we can get angry with him and disagree with him and have to forgive him to continue. Yeah. If, if we're going to continue... We gotta, we gotta forgive him for not doing what we wanted. We don't hear enough of that. Yeah. Um, we don't hear enough of that. It's like reverence God, don't ask him no questions, fear God. Yeah. But it's like, no, life is hard. Life is hard. And sometimes. And watch this. I submitted to you, mm-hmm. and you did not do it. Yeah. You didn't come through. You didn't. I know all the other verses, but I needed you right now. So that, that's why I, I said I don't think you should be comparing. Marriage submission to submitting to God because it's a different dynamic. It's a much different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the mutual submission, and I don't want people to think that, they, that there's a mutual submission as it relates to God. It's not mutual. God, God does not submit to us because he is always in control. Mm. So he never submits to us. That's why he's the one giving grace. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and all those things because he's always in control. So my answer to the ladies that were in the room that day where they shouldn't want those rules taken out of either. They should make the men they marry play by him. Right? If it says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as as unto the Lord. Because it doesn't say like he's the Lord. It says as, meaning humble submission. Nobody kidnapped you and made you mm-hmm. submit to God. You did it because you thought it would make you better. Mm-hmm. You thought it would make you better. And so with submitting to uh, 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 your husband, you would marry him because you feel his life is going to be better. But in the mutual submission... If he doesn't submit, excuse me, if he doesn't love, like Christ loved the church, you can't submit. Yeah. And if you don't submit, it won't matter how much he loves you, the relationship will be out of whack. The problem with women, can I say that on here? Oh my God, I'm in trouble. The problem don't with, say female. The problem with women, the problem with women is you all are too easily duped into doing both. See, you're not supposed to supply the love the man is. You're supposed to submit. So what you'll find yourself doing is submitting and supplying the love. And with men, if you let us sit back and do nothing, mm. guess what we're going to do? Mm. Sit back and do nothing. Mm. I, I, one time, um, I think it was, I think it was our cousin Condridge. <laughs> ah, my man. I think I remember Gondra preaching something and saying in that scripture, and I could be wrong, I can't remember, but in that scripture, it tells the man to love three times, love the wife three times in that, in that chapter. Oh, in the passage. Yeah, in that uh-huh, chapter, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, about three times, mm-hmm. but tells the woman to submit just once. Just once. Because. He's right. It's a reinforcement to the man, like, okay, love her. You gotta love, love her. her. Love her. And then you got to tell us, okay, you got to submit. 
But you don't need to tell us to love because we're going to do that anyway. Right? We do need to tell us to submit. But the way he explained it was a man has to pour, just pour love, more love, Constant. more love in order for, it's a three to one ratio. If you want submission. Yes. And men are expecting submission just because they're the man. Yeah. But husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Also and gave himself for it, which ultimately Christ died for the church. Right. But here's the connection to that. Christ, see, 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 men want to love, we want to love our women when they're right. But if you're loving like Christ, you got to have the capacity to love them when nothing's going right. Sure. Anybody can love somebody when everybody's when everything's right. Sure. There's no challenge in that. There's no effort. There's no sacrifice in it. And and what'll happen is when a woman feels the absence of it in her nurturing DNA, she will begin to both supply the love and try to submit to a guy who's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Therein lies the problems that are happening now. Does that make sense? I actually said that in the thing too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but but that that's the trouble we run into, where we don't have to wonder if Christ is going to love us, mm-hmm. so we can submit to Him. That's why it says, "As unto the Lord." Yeah. <clears throat> but with a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, if a guy can't love you at your worst, stay away from me. Yeah. If he can't handle. Your bad days in courtship, you'll never be able to handle them in matrimony. Yeah. You'll, you'll never be able to handle them. You're fooling yourself. So we talked about submission. And, and they got on board with it because I think there's no other. You have to obey God. You have to submit to the will of God. And if we start playing semantics with those words, ultimately we're going to change the meaning. And I think we need to leave those where they are. Um, now, if you want to play with semantics in relationships, we can do that all day. Um, but I don't think we want to do it with the word of God because those words mean what they mean. And you got to take them from the place of what God meant when he said it. Not what feels better to us when we hear it. Okay. <laughs> but hear me out. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Hear me out. Because that was out of Pauline's, out of the Paul. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. Let me have it. You still beefing with Paul? You know, I got it. You know, I'd be looking at Paul sideways, be like, I thought you and Paul made up. Listen, you. We walking, we're walking, we're walking. Every now and then, I gotta pull, I gotta pull this coattail and be like, "Now did God say this, or, or is this you talking?" Come on. I just need to understand: is this a command from the Lord, or is this Paul's exhortation to the people that lacks a God said? Well. If, if we buy into the fact that Jesus calls himself 
the bridegroom in the church the bride? It's Jesus talking. Well, listen, I don't question. I don't question the red letter. If Jesus said it, then I believe it. So what I'm saying is, Paul, in my opinion, okay, he borrowed that from the red letter, right, from Jesus's words, and says, now we need to apply this type of love to this relationship, right? And he's not letting me off the hook. He's really saying. Your job is to supply the love for your home. Not not money, the love for your home. Because where your heart is, says Jesus, your treasure follows. The Bible also says a man that don't work don't eat. Don't eat. So that don't mean you can go and not have a it job. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. And the Bible also says, but this is Paul again, a man who will not take care of his own is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. My Lord. So that love piece, you can't love me and not do anything to sustain me. Mm. Right? So imagine how much we're crippling faith-centered matrimony when we allow a man to say he loves us but not provide anything. Mm -hmm. When women do that. Yeah. We're crippling faith-centered matrimony. That's wild. Yeah, we, we, we think we're helping. We think we're being understanding. But in fact, all we're doing is crippling the relationship. Hmm. I think about, um, let me take us back. I think about even like Genesis when mm-hmm. God created Adam. He tells Adam it's not good for you to be alone. But then he puts him in the garden and makes him work. Mm-hmm. It makes him till the land, makes him know how to nurture and bring about fruit and, and name all the animals and name and and then after after he had come on now after he had it. done everything after he had it. shown himself to be a provider and all of that know how to work and pour and bring something to the table so to speak then and only then does he bring forth Eve out of his I can't trust you with life coming from you if you don't handle the life I put in your presence mm-hmm. with any integrity. So if you couldn't handle nature, how are you going to handle your DNA? Mm. I can't trust you with it. So he gave names to everything. He, he, he fixed everything. He had the, everything set up. And then he said, okay, now I need to get him some help. Because he's ready for the next thing. Which a lot of men don't understand and a lot of women don't understand. When you get married, it's a blessing. It's a gift. It's God allowing you to graduate to another, yea, even higher assignment. Because it makes you responsible for another person. Whether you're male or female, you're responsible for another person. That that's, And we don't talk about that clear enough. This ain't about whether or not you put your money down or your deposit down or dresses and all that kind of stuff and being embarrassed. This is about, are you prepared to go to the next level and be responsible for another human being yeah. to put them first? Always. Good, bad, or other. That's the conversation. Which is why, again, you don't use that with the God piece. Because God sustains us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't require anything from us to sustain himself because he is the self-sustained God. 
He said, where were you when I created all of this? Yeah. I love it. Okay, what else did they ask you? Uh, <clears throat> there was a lot of questions about, and I'm glad I didn't know names. There were a lot of questions about if you are in a place <clears throat> where your where your pastor doesn't <laughs> doesn't believe in women in ministry, what should you do? When you say leave, <laughs> and they all laugh like that. <clears throat> and I didn't just say leave; I said leave, and they just started laughing at me. But I was dead serious. I know you were. <clears throat> Excuse me, because here's the thing. <clears throat> Why Why are you sitting, and here's, I believe this with all my heart, Kayla, you know it. I don't believe churches are there to hold us hostage for our whole life. I feel like churches are there to accommodate us while we're on this part of the journey. And so the challenge is twofold. One, if you're at a church and it's time to leave, don't dog out the church. Mm-hmm. You, you've grown. That's the place to touch your faith. They gave you a foundation, all of that. Don't muddy the water sure. before you leave. Just gone and go. But to the church, don't try to hold people that you know you can't nurture. Sure. Even help them move to the next place. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, my 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 refrain was, you need to leave. And the other cat that was talking was like, well, you should meet with your pastor and see. And I said, no, you know, if they don't believe, they've been preaching that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they've been demonstrating it. If women are not allowed in the pulpit, and you're not allowed to do this, and not, you don't have to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Just leave the church intact. Mm-hmm. You don't have to start a, a revolt yeah. and just go because that's still good for somebody. Yeah, and, and then go to a place where you can learn uh, how to how to function and serve and minister. And then they talked about also <laughs> this was a big a big. This took probably about a half hour. When they talked about women presenting the gospel but losing their femininity, thinking they gotta be like a man to be taken serious as a preacher. My God, that was a heavy one. I'm sure that was, and, and I just I, I let Providence Vanessa just handle that. <laughs> I'm like this is grown folks talking, <laughs> so let me just sit in. And she did an excellent job. Yeah. Uh, and then she did come back around and ask us, and I just said. What I tell my preachers, my, my women preachers, is if you're up preaching, I don't want you to start crying and be emotional because if I start crying, they said the Lord was really on pastor. If a woman starts crying, she's emotional. She's not fit for the job. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So I, I tell them, get through the story. You know, tell the story, focus. We can cry and shout and celebrate when you get through preaching. Now, wait. <clears throat> take, take a drink. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you are you get the um, space to cry and be emotional because you are the pastor? No, because I'm a dude. What? Because so here here's what we got to deal with. Let's deal with the elephant in the room. Most churches are going to be on on a high on a low end, seventy percent female. Sure. On a more regular, eighty to ninety percent female. Mm-hmm. So when women are watching a man cry, they applaud it. When they're watching a woman cry, they're perturbed by it. Pull yourself together. 
Oh, my God. It's the double standard because most people that don't want to hear women preach aren't men. It's women. I can't have no woman pastor. I'm sorry. I just can't. You'd be shocked at the testimony. <laughs> I don't want no woman preaching to me, especially not no every week. I've heard that <clears throat> about your aunt. When I, when, I, when I made her the uh, senior pastor, people said stuff like, she's not going to preach every week, is she? What, what if she is? I can't have no woman preaching to me every week. Well, that's between the, the Lord and you. But that, that's a real thing that, in that regard, there's no greater critic a woman in ministry has than another woman. Yeah, see, mm. see, even if you deal with the patriarchal leadership that still sucks in the church yeah. because so many men just running everything yeah. and a lot of times running into the ground, we are still a very huge, or small, I should say, small minority in church. Men are. Men are. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the only reason we're in leadership because women acquiesce to it. If I got a thousand people in the church and 700 of them are women, they're going to carry the vote. Yeah. So they're, they're the ones sustaining this yeah. patriarchal leadership Ooh. and all of that. That, that that's, just, that's just numbers. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that, that, that's just numbers. And so we have to really work on our sisters in church to be supportive of sisters in ministry. And not just women who have a grand platform. Yeah. But I'm talking local church. See, we'll, we'll accept Juanita Bynum. We'll accept Sarah Jakes. We'll accept, and I can just keep naming them. We'll, we'll accept all, because they're on that major platform. Yeah. But watch, this is really important. Mainly we're accepting them because they've been endorsed by a man we, we, we accept. Right? The women in our church are going to watch kids and cook chicken. And usher. Unless we really groom them for leadership. And you have to have that deliberately on your mind to have equal representation in leadership. If it's not on your mind, the status quo, you'll, be, you'll, you'll know where all the women are going to serve. They're going to be in the kitchen, they're going to be with the kids, they're going to be ushered, and they'll be the chairman of all the special days. My right anniversaries and celebrations, they'll chair those. Mm. My heart. That's what it is. So we talked about we talked about that too. And that really struck a nerve of sadness. I I can I can tell because my whole yeah. So then they said, Well how many how many uh women uh uh ministers do you have? Well, I have hundred and eighty nine ministers, hundred and twenty of them are women. That's, those are real numbers. But they was picking up their face. <laughs> those are real numbers. <laughs> but again, I've always had a call to develop and a sensitivity to develop women in ministry. I've never been really concerned about men because men always had a place that would give them equal time. Sure. Women have not. And they always run to it. It's oftentimes women that you have to... Push and prod and to get them because men will run to it. Yeah, right? they're, they're they're eager for the call. Yeah, and I'm be like, they can't wait to get their black suit and sit up and cross their legs and they they digging it. Women not so much, and because women traditionally have been told you can't do this, 
and it echoes. You shouldn't be up there. Women don't preach. Right? And, and so that's been an assignment of mine from the beginning, which is why I have so many daughters in ministry. Because that's that's kind of what he gave me to do. The men are what I was never worried about because they would always have a place. They would always have somebody willing. So for me, with the men, is just to make sure they get their preaching and their studying right and all of that. But for the women to really develop them where they can stand flat-footed and preach in any room and be taken serious, that's personal to me mm-hmm. for, for, for women in ministry. And uh, I, I believe it will be until God calls me home. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I pride myself on my daughters being able to preach in any room or teach in any room and be accurate. Mm-hmm. And, and, they will. and I don't want them to lose their femininity. Mm-hmm. If you mean it, go ahead and put your hand on your head. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and say child. Go ahead and do all that girl stuff because you need to own that. Yeah. You don't need to uh, sacrifice you being a woman to be taking serious preaching. Yeah. But you also don't need to just be all Feminine antics. Mm-hmm. Tear, that, tear that word apart and put it back together. Let, let, show them that, that you are an architect when it comes to this. So I, that, that's just me, though. That's good. That's very good. Um, who is your favorite woman preacher? My favorite woman preacher right now? Who would be my favorite woman preacher? Or times past. I, see, I still, I still like Jackie McCullough. Ooh. I, I just, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just like it. Um, I liked uh, from Detroit. Anna Locke. I, I, I love Bishop Locke. Because I, I like, I like women that's just going to unapologetically preach. Mm. They, they're not going to hem and haul around. Mm-hmm. They're getting ready to preach. Mm-hmm. I just, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so those are two of my all-time classic favorites. Right now, I don't have a lot of favorite preachers, period, from this generation, because there's a lot of stuff going on. Does that mean it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot of stuff? So it's hard to find young preachers or preachers that are under 50 that's really going to give you preaching. Yeah. Yes, I, I don't have a bunch uh, to talk about. I believe they're doing the best they can. At least I hope they are. But my favorites, I'll always lean towards the old school preachers. So my, I can honestly say without any hesitation, Bishop Block, Jackie McCullough are two of my all-time favorite women to hear Proclaim, and I will say this before. Before Doctor Bynum ran into all her issues, like in the nineties, mm-hmm. I liked her. Mm. I, I I thought she was a voice that we needed to hear in church, both male and female, mm. and she wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate women. That don't act like they're giving your permission to say something. If that makes say sense. Say what you just Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Very good. Yeah. Well, I had another question that just slipped me. Um, okay. 
Oh. Yeah. Uh, the R- Kimberly Ray. <laughs> Yikes. I know it's right. Yeah. And I don't care if she preaches or prays. Yeah. <laughs> she can do whichever way she wants to do. <laughs> She's she's oily. I'm gonna be somewhere crying like a baby, laid out. Well, she can do whatever she wants to. She can preach or pray. She got oil. She got oil. She got yeah. oil. I mean, a monster. That whole family. Though. A bona fide monster. Them sisters, they got. They they just they. Said, I used to watch their mom. Yeah, 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 I used yeah. to watch their mom late night. Yeah. In that chair, killing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They church about this big, but. I, I love, bet you walk in there, you feel the oil just. I love Kimberly Ray too. I can't forget her. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. But see, my listeners, so now that's that's kind of like a, a, a theme I have, that kind of preaching. I like women who just, whatever, dude, I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And you like it, hate it, whatever, I'm going to preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. That I'm sorry. I you, you no, were. that was good. I like Kimberly Ray. I armor bear for her once. Um, so the fathers are transitioning and as you have already rightly said some of the folks that are coming on the scene the younger generation is kind of like yeah do you feel like they gotta cut their teeth more like what is (laughs) i mean social media makes it to where we see your message every week not like it used to be where y'all could figure it out and then now we get into the social media or now you're on the circuit. But like we're seeing these folks every single week. Yeah. And sometimes they're blunders and sometimes they're not. But what is the what's the missing link here? Training, development, humility, respect. Here, here's the thing. You are a baby. But you're still a dinosaur because of the church you grew up in. Because your bishop knew how to prepare and train servants. So you grew up in a context that would not put you any place you weren't ready to stand in. For sure. You follow what I'm saying? So even though you're nowhere near 40, you still carry that with you that people need to be ready and they need to be accountable and they need to be, and they need, because that's what you were birthed out of, mm-hmm. right? And so what is happening now, we're not allowing people to develop a relationship with Christ. We're just letting them preach. Mm. We're, we're, we're excusing them from the arduous task of developing faith. And now they're more celebrity driven, driven than anything else. But we were taught to be servants. Yeah. To not need your name called. Yeah. To do it because it needed to be done. Yeah. To if nobody sees you, God sees you. That ain't happening no more. Everybody wants likes and followers and all that kind of stuff. You, you know, um, and, and so that creates a different kind of preacher. A preacher that needs to be fed instead of one that wants to feed. Right? Mm. This is... Speaking of your boy Paul, this is the itching ear generation. So we go to people that say what we want to say. We want them to say not not what's biblically correct. Yeah. 
say what I want to hear, say what, say what. And so I'm hearing so many people preach. And they're not even preaching scripture. They're just saying stuff. Yeah. And it's good stuff to the people listening because they want to hear it. But it has no foundation, a lot of it, even in the word of God. Yeah. Yeah, people are getting likes and going viral because they're cussing in the pulpit now. Mm-hmm. Not, not because they can really preach. Right. So that's, without that training, Kayla, without that development, without really wrestling with God and working out your soul salvation, you're going to get a bunch of people in pulpits who don't need to be there. Yeah. And now with social media, I don't need you to vote me in. I can vote myself in. My word. I, 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 can, I can be the pastor right here online. I don't, I don't need anyone to lay hands on me. I don't need anyone to confer upon me. I don't need none of that. I can just go for it and I'll get people following me. Following you right there. And we have to insist, you know, that we get back to that. You know, when when I pull Bible study off social media, I'm still getting calls about that. But my thing is, I got to build it back up in my house. And the numbers are growing since I took it off. But I, I need us to get here in the house and to talk and to discuss, and to share, and to hold each other accountable, and to be a community. Mm-hmm. Not a cyber community, but a real community. Because that's what the church is supposed to be at its core. And we're getting people signing up for leadership that are not a part of any community. Mm-hmm. That is a dangerous thing. Yeah. That is why... The body of Christ is still necessary. That's why the local church is still necessary and required. Um, Because otherwise we just be going, floating through on this rock without being connected or held accountable. Or And that's what the masses want, too. They don't want the accountability. Oh, well, nobody really wants accountability. I got to have it. I'm afraid. But again, I'm old. I'm almost 60. But I'm afraid to not be accountable. I, I don't I don't want that. And I ain't talking about just in ministry. I don't want that in life. Yeah. I dig it when my kids call and say, Where you at? What you doing? I don't want that. <laughs> I dig it. Where you at? I'm on my way to the store. I'm on my way to the hospital visit. I'm gonna go to the church. We're gonna get something to eat. I love the accountability. I love that they care where I'm at. Oh, I gotta get that up off me there. <laughs> You will. Well, I'd be like, why is you well, asking me? Well, you've been moving single for a while. My God. What What do you... What? You've been moving single. Don't be asking me where but, I'm but, at. You know, you are betrothed. Huh. And, and, and that'll change quick enough. Listen, I I had to get that out of me like oh, that, first, that first year. I'm like, <laughs> why are you always asking me where I'm at? And wait till you have kids. They're going to lead with where you're at. Oh, I don't like that. No, that's going to happen. I'm girl. Oh, you're going to be able to say it. You need to say hi first. Right. Or you'll say... I'm grown, and then you tell them where you're at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. To your point of accountability, I think, personally, I think every pastor should have a pastor. Oh, you better know it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Has to. Has to. It is as asinine. You are a lawyer. You would not advise any lawyer to represent themselves. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's like the first rule, right? No, Don't do it. The first rule of, of pastoral etiquette 
is you need a pastor. Mm. That's the first one. And so many don't have one. And they say, you know, I follow, I follow the Lord. No. I'm covered by the Lord. Okay, where are you at? <laughs> where are you at? Because that ain't even how the Lord set up church, right? Where are you at? Tell me where are you at. Well, how, well, what's the setup? I mean, folks. Well, the setup is us to be accountable to each other. Yeah, but folks out here calling themselves apostles, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can't. We can't. Please don't do not do that. Don't throw that rock. <laughs> I think we better. Every hour, is this one over? Yeah. one <laughs> over. And you're going to come back on the next break. And we're back. Now, tell me about the apostles. Okay, oh, we ain't got pivot, pivot. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta be accountable. We gotta have a pastor. Pastors have to have a pastor. Absolutely. Okay. Pastors have to have a pastor <laughs> because, you, and not not one for show, one who can really fuss at you and get you together, right? So I have a pastor or pastors, and then after that, I have mothers and fathers in the faith, and then after that, I have big brothers and sisters in the faith, right? And then after that, I have children in the faith because people have to keep us accountable. Yeah, You have to have people who can check you, yeah. right? I just, and I think if you ain't doing that, you're playing. You're just playing the role of a pastor if you don't have one. Dr. R.A. Vernon says, don't tell me who you're over until you tell me who you're under in leadership. He always says that. That's a great line of his. And I agree with it. Who 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 is your covering? Mm-hmm. Who who laid hands on you? Who signed your papers? Who gave you the right to stand in these places? Who can we call and tell on? Tell tell them about you mm-hmm. if you get out of control. Mm-hmm. Who do you answer to? You got to know it. Yeah. Well, on that note, I hope your heart's burned. <laughs> If you're not plugged into a local assembly, I hope you get one. Get one, get a pastor. Hope you get a pastor. Pastors, get a pastor. Tune back in because I got a stinking suspicion she's going to make me talk about this apostle thing. No, we, we, got, we, can, leave <laughs> we can leave it alone. We can leave it alone. I ain't so, scared, though. feel like you'll be walking scared. heavy and got some calls. If, if I got to, I will. I ain't scared. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you all.